Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. Today we're going to chat about how we can use nutrition to reduce your gut symptoms. And yes, what exactly are FODMAPs? This episode is sponsored by my upcoming, as in tonight, online workshop, Bloated to Beautiful. How do you get to the root cause of your bloating? In this workshop, you'll discover why you're so bloated, the root cause of bloating, and how to use nutrition to beat your bloat. So if you haven't registered, you've only got a little bit of time, jump to the show notes, register for tonight's free event at 6pm Australian Western Standard Time. I can't wait to meet you there. So today we're chatting about FODMAPs. Also, what other nutrition strategies can you use to help beat your IBS and bloating? So I'll always harp on about nutrition should be the cornerstone of your gut health and hormone treatment plan. So there are a lot of different things that are important and are supportive. There's a lot of great supplements around, but nutrition is always number one. So when we're talking about bloating and IBS, and if you haven't listened to the IBS podcast, flick back and have a listen because it will give you some more insight into bloating, why you have it and what can cause it. So bloating bloating often comes from that fermenting of food within your small or large intestine, which can give you that real pregnant kind of look with your stomach so if it's shortly after eating like 20 to 30 minutes then often we think it's linked to SIBO so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth so those bacteria that produce that hydrogen so that gas within your stomach are overgrown in your small intestine which can give you that uncomfortable bloated feeling This can also happen in your large intestine because it overgrows from your large into your small intestine. So if this is happening, if you have this bacterial overgrowth, what can we implement with your nutrition that's actually going to help? Now, when this was me with my bloating and constipation for years, I tried so many things to try and help my bloating and bowel movements and none of them seemed to work. So sometimes dietary changes can be helpful with uh, symptomatic support, but sometimes when it's ongoing issues, and once again, I cover this in the IBS podcast uh, or episode, then you need to look for the root cause. But when you're struggling with symptoms day to day, sometimes you don't have the time to wait for testing to come back and you just want some support or you just need to get through each day. So this is when the FODMAP diet can be really, really helpful. It helps to reduce your symptoms. So what actually is the FODMAP diet? So FODMAPs can be given a bad rap. So FODMAPs is an acronym and it stands for fermentable. So 
This means it's broken down by the bacteria in the gut. So that's the F. Then our O is for oligosaccharides. So this includes fructans, which can be found in grains, in vegetables, and in some fruits. And also, I'm going to probably say this wrong, galacto-oligosaccharides. So this is found in your legumes, uh, beans, and lentils. So often I find that these oligosaccharides, so your grains or your legumes, cause some of the severest symptoms in clients, but also your disaccharides, so that's your D. Uh, this is your lactose, so in your milk and dairy products. They can be very symptomatic in specific people as well. Then we have your M, your monosaccharides. So this is, we're looking at fructose. So fruit, honey, some vegetables uh, can also contain fructose. And we've got your polys, so your sugar alcohol. So some fruits and vegetables or even your sugar-free sweeteners, like some chewing gum or mints actually have um, polyols in them as well. And they can actually cause uh, some symptoms too. So sometimes women can't pick it in a food, but it may actually be these sugar alcohols which are causing your, you know, your loose stools or your bloating um, and that fermenting within your gut. So that's what our FODMAPs, that acronym, actually stands for. So FODMAPs are not inherently bad for everyone. Many people can eat fermentable carbohydrates and have no negative side effects. However, <laughs> there are certain individuals who do respond strongly to um, and very negatively to these high level of FODMAPs in the diet. If you do, then you really need to monitor the amount that they are um, eaten or ingested to avoid these unpleasant symptoms. So it's not always a matter of eliminating heaps of foods. It's often more restricting the amount. So it's more how much of that certain acronym or letter, so to speak, so your lactose or your fructans, how much you can actually tolerate at a certain time. So because FODMAPs are not absorbed completely by the small intestine, the excess travels down to the large intestine where these anaerobic bacteria feed on them and produce this large amount of gas. So again, they're not absorbed by your small intestine, so they get to your large intestine, bacteria feed on them, then you get this gas, okay? So when you get this gas, then you get what we call gastrointestinal problems. So this is where we might have abdominal pain, we might have bloating, you might have flatulence. I have so many women complain, they're like, I'm so gassy all the time. It just smells and I'm gassy. What is going on? I don't want to be around people. I don't want to go to work. Like, can you help me? And sometimes it is just linked to these foods. Often we might have pathogens or other things within the gut that are causing these issues as well, but sometimes just playing around with FODMAPs can be enough to alleviate the gas in their short term. Humans lack the enzymes to digest oligosaccharides, so no one is able to absorb them. The bacteria need to break them down. So our oligosaccharides were our fructans, so in grains, vegetables, and fruits, and also um, galacto-oligosaccharides, our legumes, beans, and lentils. So 
You can't absorb them. You need the bacteria in your gut to break them down. So if you don't have adequate bacteria in your gut, you cannot break them down. And this is something that is starting to be more and more known. So we go, oh, we actually need a healthy microbiome to break down some of these foods properly. So it's it's like building up those bacteria in your gut. It's the same as working on a muscle in the gym. If you never uh, feed that particular strain of bacteria, it's never going to grow and get stronger and produce more of it. Just like if you never work your biceps in the gym, they're never going to grow. So low levels of those bacteria, and they can get wiped out by many things. Birth control pill, antibiotics, poor diet, stress will all impact them. If they are not rebuilt and fed and grown up, because you're going, hey, I'm reacting to gluten or legumes, therefore I'm never going to eat them, then this bacteria is never going to grow. And I'll jump into that later, but it is about slowly building these things up. So polioabsorption is incomplete. So again, they're malabsorbed in many people. So that was those sugar alcohols. Um, so those sugar-free sweeteners are definitely one of those things that people do struggle to absorb. Disaturides, so your lactose um, and monosaturides, like your fructose, so your dairy and some of your fructose, or some of your fruits and vegetables, are only malabsorbed in some people. So not everyone that malabsorbed, but you will notice there's certain people who will eat lactose and within an hour it will want to go straight through them. So you can do breath testing to look for SIBO, so that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which will give you a good idea if that bacteria has overgrown and if that's causing that malabsorption, which is then causing the problems within your large intestine as well. So just to recap, lots of us or all of us don't have the enzyme to digest your grains and your legumes. Therefore, you need lots of good bacteria to break them down. Sugar alcohols or sugar-free sweeteners, they are poorly absorbed. Lactose and fructose are malabsorbed in some people, so not everyone. So what actually is a low FODMAP diet? Well, the low FODMAP diet is a diet, as it suggests, that is low in fermentable, poorly absorbed carbohydrates. So it removes the foods that feed the bacteria in the gut. Therefore, it helps to relieve your gas, your bloating and other digestive symptoms. So some studies have shown that a low FODMAP diet can greatly reduce the symptoms of IBS, so our irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease and colitis. So a low FODMAP diet can be um, combined with a specific carbohydrate diet, and we'll talk about that another time because your head's probably full of FODMAPs at the moment, um, to address things like SIBO or large um, intestinal bacterial overgrowth as well it can be really helpful for that. The thing that I find the biggest problem with the low FODMAP diet is that it's not meant to be a lifetime diet. So once the GI tract has been repaired, so we're looking at removing pathogens, um, working on SIBO, gut bacteria brought back into balance, digestive function has improved, then we want to reintroduce as many of these foods as possible. So the low FODMAP diet 
would mean you avoid all high FODMAP foods for a short time. So this is usually around uh, two to eight weeks. Until your symptoms are gone, then we work at introducing the categories one at a time to determine what your tolerance actually is. So if a category, say lactose, is tolerated, then you can keep this category in and go to the next. So you go, hey, I can handle lactose. Let me try fructans now. or Let me try grains now. If it's not tolerated, so if you don't handle lactose at all, you take it back out and then we try the next category to see how you go. So following it, you want to follow it like I said. So avoid those high FODMAP foods for two to eight weeks until your symptoms are gone. Then add them in one at a time. It's important to note that sometimes you can tolerate a food at a certain amount. So like, you know, one Brussels sprout. But if you had three, you may not tolerate it. Okay. So some of these symptoms when you go, oh, am I tolerating or not? Your common symptoms are your gas, your bloating, your diarrhea, your constipation and intestinal pain. So if you have any of those, then we go, hey, let's keep that out for a while and then we'll start to add it back in, okay? It can also be linked to um, not gastrointestinal symptoms. So sometimes you might notice other things, um, changes in mood, skin reactions, um, headaches, those kinds of things, sleeping problems. So it's really important to note down any symptoms you have before, during and after you're doing the low FODMAP diet. The easiest way to follow a low FODMAP diet, I find personally, is through the Monash University app. So they've got an awesome app which actually categorizes the food in a traffic light system. So what might be green in something, like like I said earlier, one Brussels sprout is green, but if you have three, it's up in the red. And it'll actually tell you what type um, so say if it's fructans what what category that food is high in so that if you go hey I'm fine with lactose you can eat all the foods that might be red in lactose but if you don't handle legumes for example so those gallo oligosaccharides then then you might go hey it's red in that I'm not going to eat it so that low FODMAP diet app is super, super helpful. And I always tell my clients to download it because I reckon it's one of the, the best things. And for me, it was the easiest thing as well. So some of the foods, let's let's make it a little bit more practical for you. Some of the foods that might give you a FODMAP reaction, um, some of your real high FODMAP foods that I see the biggest reaction, things like beans, lentils, chickpeas, Dairy, sort of your softer dairies across the board are generally the worst. Some of your teas like um, fennel tea or um, things like chicory or inulin, those things can give you FODMAP reactions. Your worst offending vegetables usually are like cauliflower, large amounts of broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, garlic and onion are kind of your your top ones that people pick straight away but other things like asparagus peas and spring onions can be a bit tricky as well some of your worst offending fruits are things like apples um, avocado as well watermelon dried fruit because it's such a high intensity of sugar 
your grains, your wheat, your barley, your rye can be all quite offending for your gut as well. All your fats and oils are fine. Some nuts and seeds like almonds can give you a little bit of an adverse reaction. Your spices and seasonings, again, your onion and garlic are your biggest ones. In saying that, although garlic must be avoided, if you have like an oil that's infused with garlic, it is actually low FODMAP. So you can make this yourself. You chop the garlic, saute it in a bit of oil, you strain out the garlic because that's what's got the fibers in it. And then you can refrigerate and reuse the oils. Now, another thing to note is you want to avoid prebiotics. So they are fermentable food for the bacteria. So this sometimes can be found in probiotic supplements, um, but also different fibers that you can have, like your fructooligosaccharides or your inulin or your GOS, which feed your good bacteria, which is really important, but they are really can be really hard to digest for people with this um, gut bacteria imbalance. So if you've done that, if you've downloaded the app, you did your two to you know eight weeks, um, your symptoms have disappeared, you've been following it really closely and you're like, wow, cool, this is amazing. Like, I want to stay on this forever. No, for starters, no, you don't. <laughs> you want to add those foods back in because like I said, those high FODMAP foods are really high in prebiotic fibers. So you do want to start to feed that good bacteria back. So how do we start to reintroduce these foods again? I like to do it to pick um, one food group per day and stick with it for three days. So you'll have it at three meals for three days, stop for four days, and then try a different category. So for example, let's say you pick um, galacto-oligosaccharides, so that food group. So out of that food group, you're going to pick black beans. You're like, right, okay, that's going to be my food group for the next three days and I'm going to monitor my symptoms. So you might have, say, a quarter cup of beans three times a day for three days. If you have no symptoms or very mild to moderate symptoms, as in a little bit of bloating, a bit of gas, but nothing severe, I would say that food group is fine. If you're quite reactive, so if you get severe constipation or severe diarrhea or, you know, like I said, skin conditions or brain fog or those kinds of things, I would keep that food group out and not have any FODMAP foods for four days. So let your body reset and then start on the next food group. So then you might try, say, lactose three times a day for three days because you need to gauge, it seems weird to have it at three meals, but you need to gauge your immune response to it. So you need to see how your body reacts to that food, okay? If you don't react to the lactose at all, like I said, you can slowly increase your dosage and keep it within your diet. But if you are doing, if you're having severe reactions to it, I would recommend leaving it out till you build up that good gut flora. So go back, do some more gut healing work, adding your probiotics to calm that gut lining again, heal that leaky gut, slowly adding prebiotic fiber supplements just because they can be really monitored and tolerated. Whereas when you're eating it in food form, there's so many fibers and it can be so hard to control how much of it that you're adding in at a particular time. So that's how I would reintroduce FODMAP. So like I said, it's not something that you want to keep out of your diet forever, not at 
all, um, you do want to reintroduce these things back in so that you can support your body in rebuilding that good gut flora. So if you've got any questions on FODMAPs um, or reintroducing foods into your diet or how this can be helpful, please reach out and let me know. Find me on Instagram, send me an email, jump on my website or jump into my webinar and then you can actually pick my brain face to face because I will be covering a lot of the common questions around this. So especially when FODMAPs doesn't work because they don't work for everybody, then I would be looking at running a GI map and actually looking for pathogens within your gut that are causing some of these issues as well and damaging that gut lining. Your other basic nutrition strategies that women often implement is things like, you know, going for less raw foods and having more healing cooked foods and more nourishing foods because these will are easier for your body to digest, whereas raw foods are quite intense. You want lots of fats, lots of those calming sort of um, nourishing foods to help your body restore and let it know that you know, you can grab those nutrients from it and it's a safe environment, right? So just calming of the system, stress reduction are real, is really important as well. Supporting that hormonal balance, um, supporting, you know, your exercise, those kinds of things and making sure that you're doing a lot of restorative yoga, um, walking, meditation, those things that have actually also been proven to help your IBS as well. So, have a think about that. Let me know if you've done FODMAPs, if you've had a try and reach out, ask questions. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Please make sure you subscribe to my podcast and I hope to see you online somewhere. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking. Music.